Um, well, we are in a sermon series going through the book of Acts together, and um, we're in like Acts chapter 21 right now. Uh, Paul is ending his third and final missionary journey, and he's headed to Jerusalem. Like he knows that he knows that he's headed there. And um, we're going we're gonna to pick it up in um, Acts chapter 21, and it's like we do our custom here. If you would stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word, I would really appreciate that. Um, we're going to start in verse 3. It says this, after sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship and they returned home. We, re- we continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemaeus, where we, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this same way, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. After this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that in the midst of difficulty, we see a guy who knows that even as he heads to the place where he feels like the Lord is calling him to, it is a place of hardship. And uh, I thank you that even in the midst of life, the ups and downs, the victories and defeats, the hardships and joys, um, you're, you're with us every step of the way. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd, you'd help us to uh, not leave this place the same. In Jesus' name, amen. I feel like my high end is a little right there, like I'm on the verge. Um, thanks. So last week, we were going through Acts chapter 20, and um, we, were t- we were talking about Paul's farewell speech to the Ephesian elders. And one of the things that he said, and you might remember this from last week, is this in, in Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And, and, I, and I'm going to highlight something because I want you to really understand, like, it, the Bible isn't just about a story. It's actually the, the Word of God, and so every word in there is in there for a purpose. And it says this, and now, compelled by the Spirit, catch those words, compelled by the Spirit, Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me. And then the next verse he says, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. So this is what he's saying to the, 
Ephesian elders, and he's just like, look, I, I know that I know that I know that I know I am compelled by the Spirit. Those are the words that he uses. I am compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. In other words, I know that I know that I know that I'm called there. I know that I'm supposed to go there. I know from the Holy Spirit that I'm compelled to do what the Holy Spirit has called me to do. And he gives the he gets a little bit of understanding because every single city that he stops in, somebody gets like a word from the Lord, right? You, you, if you've ever been there with somebody, like, I've got a word from the Lord, um, and this is what you should expect, prison and hardship. Um, and he's going from place to place that prison and hardships are waiting for him. And personally speaking, if I were Paul, I would not be rushing to get to Jerusalem. I'd be like, I'm all good. We can kind of slow down. Maybe we'll stop at like a, I don't know, maybe like an island resort or something like no big rush. Prison and hardship are not a place that I would be rushing towards. But Paul's like, nah, tick tock, like we got to get going because I'm compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. He's compelled by the Spirit to do something that's really hard, really hard, which causes us to think this question, is this even right? Like, why in the world does God, does God call us to do hard things like suffering and hardships? Because, the, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that God calls us to joy and he calls us to greater and better and he calls us to financial prosperity and he calls us to all of these comfort and ease. And, and yet, as we look at the life of Jesus, as we look at the life of Paul, as we've been going through all the book of Acts, we're in Acts chapter 21 now, as we look at the life of every disciple that chose to follow Jesus, God always seems to compel them to do hard things, things that do not bring comfort and ease and financial gain, right? This is, this, is, this is the tough part of like actually going through the entirety of Scripture and realizing that like I'd like to think that God is always going to lead me to unicorns and rainbows and greater and better, but many times he leads us to do hard things no matter the cost, the circumstances. I wish that God would compel me to do things like eat half a gallon of ice cream every night. <laughs> Don't you? I mean, that would be awesome. Like if, God, the, if the Holy Spirit of God compelled you to eat a half gallon of ice cream every day, I could tell my wife, babe, listen, I'm sorry, but I must obey the call of God, right? And if you don't like it, get thee behind me, Satan, right? Like, I mean, I wish that there were things that like, that God would call me to that I actually was like, oh man, I just can't wait to do this. This is like the, the most fun. This is the, the, the most amazing thing. But if the call of God was easy, then we wouldn't need to be compelled to do it. Did you catch that? If the call of God were easy, God wouldn't have to convince you to do it. You wouldn't have to get a word from the Lord to do it. You'd just be like, man, this is awesome because it's like exactly what I would want to do. But so often, the call of God needs a, a, a compulsion, a compelling to follow through with it. Why? Because it's hard. It's full of joys and sorrows. It's full of victories and defeats. It's, full, it's a mixed bag. You know, as God calls us, sometimes in the midst of our calling, uh, it's full of very difficult seasons. We think about like when Jesus was uh, tempted in the desert, 
Remember that? Like he gets, he gets baptized by John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the heavens open up, and God is like, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The very next verse in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, catch that, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We see in the book of Mark, Mark writes it a little bit differently. He says this, the Spirit then compelled Jesus. There's that word again, isn't it? Isn't that weird? That weird word, compelled. Compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. What we find, as messy as it is, is that the truth about following God many times means that he will lead us to places that we would not otherwise go on our own. Do you realize that? Like, the truth about following God is that he compels us to make decisions that we would not choose to make on our own. He compels us to, to do hard things. In fact, I would go so far to say, church, that if God is not leading you to do hard things, you may not be following him. If the only thing God tells you to do is eat a half gallon of ice cream every night, I'm just... I'm going to go on on a limb and say you, you may not actually be listening. You may not actually be following him because time and time again, he leads us to do hard things. So this scripture, this scripture, honestly, like as I was reading through Acts 21, I was like, maybe we'll just go to 22 because 21, I mean, let's just face it. When I was reading it to you, it was all about like, yeah, they went to this island, then this island, and then they had to unload cargo. And it's like, what in the world am I going to preach on? Unloading cargo, like in Ptolemaeus? I don't even know how to say that word, right? Like, and as I'm going down through it, I'm confronted with this reality. Um, if the Holy Spirit was truly compelling Paul to go to Jerusalem, even though he knew it was going to be hard, then what in the world is happening here in Acts chapter 21? Because I don't know if you noticed, I'll read it again for you, in Acts chapter 21, verse 4, it says this, through the Spirit, the same Spirit that compelled him to go to Jerusalem, it says, through the Spirit, they urged Paul what? Not to go to Jerusalem. Okay, um, so what's confusing to me here, and probably a little bit to you, is this, like, it does not say these ungodly, self-centered, rebellious friends of Paul were listening to Satan himself and told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. It doesn't say that. In fact, it says the exact opposite of that. It literally actually says through the same Spirit, through the Spirit of God, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. So what do we do with this? What do we do with, like, does the Holy Spirit, like, contradict itself? Does the Holy Spirit say to one person, you know, one thing, and then to other people the, the completely opposite thing? Like, how can the Holy Spirit be telling Paul, go to Jerusalem, and then be telling these other people, tell Paul, don't go to Jerusalem? Like, how in the world do we, do we keep these two things in balance? In fact, as, as you read down through it, like Bible scholars for, for years have long debated whether Paul got it wrong. Because we'd like to think he got it wrong. Who wants to go to prison and hardship? Was this guy like a glutton for punishment? Was he like, no, I got to go. And they're like, don't go, don't go. You, and 
Some people look at him and they're like, man, he should have been listening to the wise counsel of all these people that were telling him not to go. You shouldn't go. You shouldn't go. You shouldn't go. I personally believe that Paul was actually walking in obedience to the call of God. I, I believe that he was doing exactly what it was that the Spirit was compelling him to do. Why do I think that? A few different reasons. A couple of them are this. One, because it wasn't easy. It was hard. What would he get out of this? There was no win. There was no like, well, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, like prison and hardship are going to come, you know. No, denying yourself, giving, sacrificing of yourself, those are not things that we normally choose to do for ourselves, Right? If somebody is, is giving of themselves and sacrificing and doing things above and beyond and actually leveraging themselves and walking in humility, it's a pretty good chance the Holy Spirit's working on them. So one, it, it was hard. It wasn't easy. The second thing is this. like Luke, the actual writer of the book of Acts, never suggests that Paul missed it. Never suggests that like somehow Paul missed God's will by going to Jerusalem. In fact, just a couple, couple chapters later in Acts chapter 23, we'll get to it in a couple weeks, is this, like Acts chapter 23, verse 11, we find that Jesus himself shows up to Paul in a vision, and it's recorded here in verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So it kind of sounds like Jesus was affirming the decision. Kind of a little bit, sort of maybe. Like, hey, you did that. You did what I asked you to do in Jerusalem. Now we got Rome. Next, right? So it, we see that it was obviously, it wasn't the easy way out. He took the hard road. And we see that even Jesus is affirming the decision to do this. So this is what we're left with, church. If Paul was correct, this is the messiness, right? If Paul was correct in, like, going to Jerusalem, he didn't get it wrong, right? How could the other people get it wrong if they were both listening to the same Holy Spirit? What I actually think, I think what we're seeing here is an amazing example of the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work in the early church. And not only the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work, but the messiness of the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work in the church. I'm going to explain it to you. Let me read to you um, what Paul writes later on to the church in Corinth about the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. He writes, There are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given the Spirit of a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. We saw this just a few weeks ago, right, when someone came up and, and had a word in tongues, and then we see the interpretation, right? All of these are the work of the one and the same spirit, 
and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. These are known as the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, does anyone know that um, many times the gifts of the Holy Spirit can get to get me- messy? Anyone? Anyone ever seen that? Heard about that? No? Interesting. Do you know why the gifts of the Holy Spirit are messy? Let me give you a hint. It's not because of God. And it's, and it's also not because the gift is somehow inherently flawed. The gifts of the Spirit are messy because God chooses to gift and work through very flawed people like you and me. And so God gives gifts of the Holy Spirit just as he determines. But the problem is this, and this is where it gets really messy. This is why whole denominations are like, gifts of the Spirit aren't for today. They take, they take 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and they just rip it out of their, uh, this is not for, this died off with, with the, the apostles and this is just too messy. I've seen, it, I've seen it just go sideways all too much and so we're not, we're, we're not going to allow any of these things work, right? Because this is what happens. When the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not submitted to the fruit of the Spirit, things get messy. Let me say that again. When the, when the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not submitted to the fruit of the Holy Spirit, things get messy. When pride and self-interest get in the way, they can take these perfect gifts that we just read about, and they can end up coming in kind of, let's just say, messy packaging, right? Crappy packages. Have you ever, you know, experienced the, a gift of the Holy Spirit, whether it be prophecy or tongues or, or word of knowledge or word of wisdom, all of these things, and, and maybe it's, it's just been off, right? It's just been a little off. So what we wrestle with here, the beauty of Acts 21 is this. I fully believe that the Holy Spirit was speaking to the Apostle Paul to go to Jerusalem. And I also fully believe that the Holy Spirit, the very same Holy Spirit, was speaking to these other people that were telling him not to go to Jerusalem. So, so if the Holy Spirit, if we believe the Bible is true and the Holy Spirit was working through both of these people and having very different outcomes or very different responses to that, what in the world is happening? What if what we're seeing here is simply a different working, gifting of the Holy Spirit? working through humanity. Let me read it to you again. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. To one there is given the spirit of a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. I don't know if you, like, maybe you're, like, a lot smarter than me, but, like, I'm, I used to always think, like, what's the difference between a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom? We talk a lot about, like, oh, someone got a word of knowledge, but, like, we don't necessarily always talk about, like, someone got a word of wisdom, and how do you know the difference? How can you tell the difference between a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom? So if we were to define it, like, a word of knowledge would simply be when, when someone instantly knows something about a, a situation or a person that they would have no other human way of knowing. Maybe it's happened to you. Maybe somebody has spoken that into your life where all of a sudden you're talking to someone, you're talking to a friend, or you, and all of a sudden God just... Gives, gives you a word to speak into their situation, to speak into that person's life, and you have no, no other way of knowing what's going on in their life. And they're literally saying, like, you're reading my mail. 
Like, you, you, I, I know you have no idea what's going on, but you have no idea how impactful that statement was because it spoke right into the situation that I'm currently going in. That's, that's a word of, of knowledge. God just kind of like reveals it to you by his spirit. The word of wisdom is a little bit different. A word of wisdom is not just um, when God gives you knowledge, but also applied understanding. That's wisdom, right? Applied understanding of knowledge. So, so that you, you not just like get a word of knowledge, but there's some understanding of like God's pathway through the midst of the situation that you're currently in. So what if? What if Paul, through the Holy Spirit, was given a word of wisdom while his friends were given a word of knowledge through that very same spirit? Because if we trust what the Bible says is true, and I, I, I do, I believe that the, everything is in here for a reason, for a purpose. If we trust that if the Word of God is true and the words that the Word of God uses are true, and, and these friends of Paul heard through the Holy Spirit what Paul was going to experience, you know, prison and hardship await you. He goes from town to town. Hey, prison and hardship await you. I got this word from the Lord. Prison and hardship await you. Hey, uh, Pastor Paul, uh, I just, I don't know, I was, in, I was in prayer and I got this vision. Like prison and hardship are, are awaiting you. Then maybe, maybe because of their love for Paul, maybe because Paul probably led many of them to the Lord, maybe because of their emotional attachment, they were led to conclude that their word of knowledge about prison and hardship meant that it was God's will and warning for Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But that's not actually what God said. It was simply a warning. It was simply maybe, rather than um, preventing Paul to go to Jerusalem, maybe it was actually preparation for Paul to go to Jerusalem. And these people, out of their heart and out of their love and out of them, literally, the, when he left the Ephesian elder, it literally said that we had to pull, rip ourselves from them and get on the boat and leave. Maybe because of people's attachment, they added to what God never meant to add to. Like, literally, like, even as I preach, like, I, I, I have to submit myself that, to that every single week. Let the word of God speak and to the best of my ability, get out of the way and, 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 and don't always bring everything through the filter of me. So what if they took a word of knowledge and added their own interpretation to it? And if we're not careful, church, charismatic church, if we're not careful, when we run the message of God through the screen of our human emotions, our human emotions can skew the interpretation of the Spirit's prompting. Let me say that one more time, because if you're going to capture something today, I'd love for you to capture this. When we run the message of God, the Word of God, through the screen of our human emotions, our human emotions can skew the interpretation of the Spirit's prompting, which is, which is when the, the gifts of the Spirit get messy, because it's flawed people that He uses. Right? And it's the reality that, like, although God cares about your feelings, his will is not determined by them. Like, he cares. He wants you to follow. He, he, he cares about your feelings, but his, his will is actually not determined by your feelings. This happens to Jesus. 
So you're like, let's, let's strip away all of this Acts 21 thing. This, this same thing happens to Jesus by the Apostle Peter. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. It says this, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. Isn't that weird? Same place. He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many, hmm, this is interesting too, suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. Now watch what Peter does, verse 22. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And watch how Jesus responds. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, which is very confrontational. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't highly suggest that in your conversations with people, right? Like, get behind me, Satan. Like, he literally calls him Satan, and he's speaking to this conversation that they're having. But um, keep reading, because Jesus actually brings understanding as to why he just blew up at Peter. And, and this is the key to what we're talking about today. He says, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. See it? In other words, Jesus is saying, Peter, 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 pumpkin eater, Peter. <laughs> you are running my words through the screen of your own human emotions. And because you are getting emotionally involved in this, you are actually standing in the way of what it is that God is wanting to do. See that? He says, you're a stumbling block to me. And when we add our commentary to the Spirit's communication, we run the risk of adding on to what Jesus never meant to add on to. Even as we as we operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Like, the reality is, is that it is a very, um, it's messy and it's humbling experience to, to feel like we have a word from God. And it's even more important for us to, to realize that we're called to be mouthpieces, not commentators, right? That if God's given you a word, give the word and then shut up about it, right? Unless he gives you understanding, right? But like, we're called to, to bring the word of God and he chooses to work through flawed people like you and me. So, so we read Acts chapter 21 and some of you may be thinking this, like, see, this is why we shouldn't operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's a mess. It is a hot mess. And some of you have been like, I've been around all kinds of crazy, right? Like when it comes to the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit, it just messes things up. And obviously we look in Acts chapter 21, these people, all of them, we're getting in the way of what God was wanting to do. I mean, they're saying they're hearing from God, thus saith the Lord this, and thus saith the Lord that, and I heard from God, God gave me a vision, and I, you're not supposed to go, and don't do this. And, and, and Paul's like, well, I don't understand, because I know that I know that I know that I'm supposed to go. And everybody's like, oh, no, 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 see, see, see this is why it's messy. And this is why people are like, we should just throw the baby out with the bathwater. This is why whole denominations are like, this is a hot mess. We can look at Acts chapter 21. This is proof that we should just not allow the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be at work in the local church because it just screws things up. To which I would wholeheartedly say, it is not your prerogative how God chooses to use his people. It's not your prerogative. Stay in your lane. And I mean that in the most love I can give you because God oddly Oddly is completely fine with using broken vessels. 
does it every day. Think about his job. He's like, I, I just gave him one thing to say, and then they said this, and then they went off. So now i got to give somebody else this same word, and hopefully they'll, they'll say it and then just shut up about it, right? Like, I, I'm trying to do my will through broken vessels just like you and me. It's... This is the reason why the gifts of the Holy Spirit are always to be meant to be used in community, the local body of believers. Why? Because when we're alone and isolated, we get weird, unchecked. We go off the grid sometimes. And in community and the fellowship of believers, when the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation, they can be pastored well. That's what, you know, because, because not everybody who starts a sentence with thus saith the Lord gets it right, including me. Which is why it's important to have brothers and sisters. Even what we were talking about, having like the child dedication of having like spiritual aunts and uncles and people around that love us and are listening and, and judging and, 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 and actually listening to the word of God for themselves. Paul talks about like how we're supposed to pastor prophetic words. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29, he says, two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. Because the reality is, you could be wrong, right? Like, or inserting emotional commentary to bring about his, you know, that, are, that isn't God. And here's the point. This is the beauty of living in kind of the operation of God working through flawed people, is that this isn't evil. This, this isn't like grounds for like throwing away the gifts of the Holy Spirit and we shouldn't be, be doing this, but it does mean that we should weigh carefully the word of the Lord. We should make sure that it comes under and in alignment with Scripture and through the confirmation of other prophetic words that we see like what it is that God's saying in our midst and humbly embrace the miraculous messiness of God using people like you and I to speak through. It is miraculously messy. It's beautiful, though. In the midst of all of this, God speaks. And then it goes on in, in verse 10. It says, After we had been there a number of days, an, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and the, Lord, the Holy Spirit says, In this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem We'll bind the owner of this belt and we'll hand him over to the Gentiles. So, we have a word of wisdom to Paul through the Holy Spirit. Go to Jerusalem. It's confirmed, although messy, it is confirmed by the Holy Spirit, words of knowledge by the exact same Holy Spirit that prison and hardship await him. And now we see it confirmed again by the word of prophecy, by the very same Holy Spirit. Watch how the people respond. Verse 12. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Notice that all of a sudden the pronoun changes to we. Did you notice that? Like all of a sudden it was like we, we pleaded, we pleaded. We've been reading through the book of Acts the past six months, and Luke has been talking about the story of what they did, what Paul and Silas and Barnabas and Peter and all the things that they did. And there's certain times where you can tell that he went on the trips with them and that kind of thing. But all of a sudden this pronoun changes 
And he says, when we heard this, we pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. What does that mean? It means that the author, the writer, Luke, Dr. Luke, was actually a part of trying to convince Paul not to go. He's like, we pleaded with him, even me. I'm not even going to just say, they did it, they did it, they did it. No, I had a conversation. I, Luke, Dr. Luke, historian, author, I actually had a conversation with Paul, the guy that I've been following, the guy that I'm writing this book about, and I said, you shouldn't go, man. Prison and hardship, are you not listening? This isn't good. And look at how Paul answers. Verse 13, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I almost think he's like looking at these people like, y'all are killing me. You think I want to go to prison and hardship? Like you think this is like something that I'm signing up for, that this is the thing that I want to do? Of course not, but I am compelled by the Holy Spirit to do it. Get out of my way. You're becoming a stumbling block to me. You're crying. You're making me cry. Like I'm compelled by the Holy Spirit to do this. It gets really intense. And he says, I'm not, I'm not only ready to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Like, he's just like, I know that 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 I'm called to this. And it, I, I understand, I love you guys, but, but quit, quit getting in the way. It gets really intense. And Paul's resolve seems to get even more affirmed every city that he goes in, and people are like, hey, prison and hardship. And he's like, I know, I know, I know. Right? I just know that I'm supposed to go there. Yeah, but did you know? I'm, I saw a vision and you were in chains. Uh, I get that, but like I also know what it is that God's called me to. And so I'm going to walk in that even if that, that happens. Like All of these words were meant to prepare him to go to Jerusalem, not prevent him from going to Jerusalem. And I would say this to you as your pastor. like, Do not confuse the presence of painful circumstances with a lack of God's presence. Because sometimes we get those two things confused. We're like, eh, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm in a hardship right now. I'm in, I'm in, a, I'm in a box. I'm in, I'm in prison. I feel like things aren't going the way that I was hoping that they would go. Please do not confuse that with a lack of God's presence in your life. Because God many times does call us, and in the midst of it, we go through hardships. It doesn't mean that he didn't call you. And I feel it's important to clarify something really quickly. Because I think that, that I've watched the church go off in weird ways here to bring some clarification because this is some pretty heavy stuff. And this is it. To choose to suffer means that you're a little off. You're weird, right? If you're like, man, I just, you know, somebody's like, hey, what do you, what do you hope happens today, you know? What do you, what do you think is going to happen today, you know? Well, I was kind of hoping that I would like, you know, get beaten and left for dead and maybe go to prison. I don't know, but one can only hope. You know what I mean? Like, what you... You're weird. Like, that's not normal. That's not, like, godly. That's not, like, some sort of, like, uh, humility, you know, just, like, self-flagellation, just thinking, like, oh, I, that's the way that I get to heaven. Choosing to suffer is not what this is happening, what's happening here, right? That's not what's happening. But choosing God's will, even if, even if it means suffering, well, that's a totally different thing. Choosing to walk in God's will, and people are like, well, did you know the prison and hardship? I, I, I get it shut up, right? And he's like, I'm trying to just get there because I'm trying to just be obedient to what it is that God's have. And all of you are just, why are you weeping? Why are you crying? Why are you making a stumbling block for me? I'm just trying to obey the, the Lord. It's a very different thing. Oswald Chambers wrote, 
No healthy Christian ever chooses suffering. He chooses God's will, as Jesus did, whether it means suffering or not. This is the beauty of this story. Paul wasn't choosing suffering. He was compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, whether or not suffering was involved. And I wonder how many times we avoid or miss the will of God because we've gotten distracted by suffering along the way. Because the truth of following Jesus means that many times he will lead us to places that we would not choose to go otherwise. The truth of following Jesus means that he will compel us to make decisions that we would not choose to make on our own. The truth of following Jesus means that he compels us to do hard things, whatever the cost. That is the following of Jesus that we see all throughout Scripture. Why don't you stand with me? Verse 14, I love how this ends, this, this section of Scripture. Luke, the writer of this book, writes, when he would not be dissuaded, in other words, we tried, I spoke to Paul till I was blue in the face that he shouldn't go, and all of my friends did too, and when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up <laughs> and said, the Lord's will be done. I love that Luke comes around in the end. He may not have agreed. He may not have understood. He may have said like, man, I don't know. I just know that this is bad things that you're heading to and you shouldn't go. Why? Because who would want to go there? Maybe he was scared about the warnings, but, but, but it's, he decided to stay with Paul. He decided, like, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm going to stay with him. I'm going there. And verse 15, this is how it ends. It says this, after this, we started on our way to Jerusalem. You know, you never know if somebody is following you until you decide to go in a direction they don't want to go. And all of a sudden, you just realize, oh, I guess we, were just, we just happen to be on the same road. But you never know if somebody's following you until you decide to go in a direction. I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't agree with that. And that wrestling. And Luke could have said, hey, take a look, Paul, right? See you later. Bon voyage, right? Like, here, here's some money and some chocolate, right? Like, have a good time. Like, I think I got enough to write the book now. I'm all good, right? Like, you do you, and you have a great time. I think you're crazy. You're loco, right? Like, I don't even understand why you're doing this. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. But instead, catch this, church. Luke literally decides to buy a ticket to board a ship that is destined for difficulty. And Paul's compulsion to go to Jerusalem becomes our way to Jerusalem. He joins the journey. He could have decided to part ways. He could have decided Paul was crazy, but there must have been something inside of him that resonated with Paul's resolve, that he was like, there's something that is calling me to do hard things with this guy, even if it costs me something. 
I was thinking about it. You know, the name of this book that we've been reading is called the book of Acts. Do you know it's not the book of great intentions? It's actually called the, the book of Acts. And we watch this author, doctor, historian take a huge risk and step into the story. Because church, the will of God will always involve a risk. Always. Our job is to just follow. God calls each of us to do hard things. Our job is just not miss the moment and continue the leading. And so church, as, as we pray today, as we, as we lift your name up, God, I, I pray that they would get some resolve on the inside of us, that we would just be a hearty people, not scared by hardship and difficulty, but re- ready and willing. I mean, Paul's resolve was like, yeah, I, nobody even said anything about death, but Paul's like, you know, I, look, I, I'm, I'm so at peace with this. I, I'm not only willing to, like, be imprisoned. I'm willing to die in Jerusalem. That's how much I know that I know that I know that I'm called to this. And so, God, I pray that there would just be some resolve in us today to do hard things no matter the cost. And so, Lord, I just thank you that you're in every single aspect of the calling, in the messiness of it, in the messiness of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We still embrace the miraculous messiness of them, realizing that you seem completely fine with using flawed people. And we should be too. And so, God, I pray you'd have your way in, our, in this place. I pray you'd have your way in this church. I pray that you would distribute gifts of the Spirit as you determine I pray that we'll choose to, to pastor them well. We'll choose to, to, to realize that, that we don't always get it right. And when people say, thus saith the Lord, it's not always the Lord. We realize that there's the messiness of it. And so, God, I just thank you that you still speak to your people and we expect you to speak, that your voice is not hard to hear, and that we can know the voice of our shepherd. And so, Lord, I pray that you would fill this place with your Holy Spirit. I pray that, that we would embrace this reality that, like, you choose to use us. And I don't know why, because it seems like there'd be better ways of doing it, but you invite us in to this journey to take a risk of following you no matter what it is that you call us to. And so, Lord, I pray that there would just be solidified in us today. And we lift your name up, church. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Let's just take some time, and whatever it is, if if you just know that that God has something in front of you, I just want to encourage you to take that step to say, God, I'm choosing this day to do the hard, even though I don't know what lies on the other side of it. So, Lord, we just thank you. You continually show up. Let's worship. Let's worship him, church.